When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Can you say hard hats, folks? Hard hats, lunch pails, steel to boots? Anything short of a championship this year is a failure. Look at this boomer right here. You've just got so much talent here. Somebody said we need to apologize for Jalen. Can I pull the John? What are we apologizing for? What did we say? What did we do? Uh-uh, uh-uh. All right, folks. Another one in the books. Another one in the books, this time over the border. Up in Toronto, Celtics with a win over the Raptors, 105-96. to Fun little entertaining game on a, on a Monday. Happy MLK Day to everybody uh, watching from home. And um, Celtics, um, you know, this was, a, this was a good one from, I would say, from start to finish, Bobby. Um, you know, they, they, they allowed the, the third quarter comeback, as they've been known to do, but not to the point where things got out of hand and they started to reel. Again, this one without Jalen Brown, who who uh, missed out this game. They're calling it a you know right knee. You can call it rest, whatever you want to, whatever you want to tell yourself to get to bed tonight. But Jalen Brown <laughs> missed this one, and we'll hope to see him back out there Wednesday. Um, but they didn't need him at the end of the day. No Brown, no problem. Um, led by the guards. How about that tonight? Uh, leading scorers for the Celtics: Derek White and Drew Holiday with 22 apiece. Uh, Holiday added seven assists. I thought this was one of his better games, uh, not just because of the stats, but I just think with Jalen Brown out, you look for guys like a Holiday, who's we've talked about in the past, who's got that probably more of a sacrifice that he's made this year than the other guys in the starting lineup, and he he sees an opportunity to step in when when there's a a vacancy, if you will, and and he fills it. And um, you know that's I think the mark of a championship team when guys are stepping into these roles on a pinch on on a, on a moment's notice, and they're able to to overcome that. So Bobby, just, you know, we'll start with you. Cause you are, or you were, I don't know if you've formally you know, Toronto. on Toronto as your, as your team B, you can, you can, you can tell us if uh, you have or not, but they used to be back in the, back in the original, the original days, the OG days of the garden report, you were like maybe like one or two most popular guys in Toronto for a bit. Yeah. And I'll ride with them. I, I'm going to see it through the rebuild here, and I do okay. think the rebuild's coming. Eight, eight, eight see straight it wins. through the rebuild. <laughs> eight, eight, guy. eight straight wins for the Celtics now over Toronto, which would have been hard to imagine a couple of years ago. But uh, this team's obviously disbanding here, but you still see them fight. I think it was a three-point game in the first Toronto game this year these teams played. Celtics really had to scrap and execute late in that game. And same thing here, a couple big runs by the Raptors to within six late. 
Uh, Celtics led by 11 early and gave up a 23 to five run. Yeah. Into the third. Uh, so they never stopped attacking the basket. New dynamic, obviously, with quickly Barrett involved. Those slashing guards yeah. were just super effective at points through this game. I think Barrett started like eight for 11. Uh, so this was a pretty impressive uh, effort by both of them. Uh, I think the shooting was just horrible on the Toronto side. So uh, pretty amazing that despite shooting 12% from three, they stay in this game right down to the wire. Uh, that's on their rebounding. That's on their effectiveness inside. Siakam uh, puts a lot of pressure on the rim. And uh, this is a rough one for Porzingis trying to deal with that. And he turned the ball over a bunch on offense, too. So you needed Holiday. You need White to make some timely plays. Just a ridiculous three in the corner uh, to close that one out. Ahead by six, I believe, at that point. Uh, mm-hmm. So he was great. That was after turning his ankle, too. Putting his foot down in the corner, making sure he was in bounds. A great pass by Tatum there. Some good execution in this game in the half court when the Celtics needed it. I thought Tatum was good in the second half of the third, attacking the basket. Holiday, as you mentioned, Jimmy throughout, uh, just in the pocket, around the basket with a putback, uh, passing. He had that feed to Tatum for the backdoor cutting dunk at one point. And he puts up these stats, honestly, night to night, Sherrod, like, you don't even notice it, right? It's like, oh, crap, Holiday has seven rebounds. I looked up tonight and was like, he has seven assists? When did that happen? I feel like we say that every night with him. Well, we do. Uh, and, and the thing about Drew that I'm getting a better handle, and I think most people are as well, is he has games where you're just like, maybe he's lost a step or two. Maybe his shot isn't quite what it is. And then there are nights like this where a key guy's out and he's allowed to essentially be more of the Drew Holiday that we've seen on other rosters. And he's really good at pick at when to basically fill that void when they need him. to. Basically, what Paul Pierce always says, give the game what it needs. Uh, and that's what Drew Holiday consistently does. But, Bobby, your earlier point about how um, – Toronto, you know, can't believe how they were able to kind of hang in here shooting as bad as they were. The Celtics were helping them because yeah. the Celtics did not like crap too. Celtics shot 40% from the field. Great for three-point range. 41%. That's a that's a good mm-hmm. number from three-point range. But, I mean, you start looking at the box scores of the Celtics. I mean, Tatum, 7 for 19. Al, usually 4 for 10. Derek White, 7 for 18. Drew Holiday was the one bright spot, 7 for 14. Uh, and the bench really didn't have a good – I mean, Brissett did some good things, I thought. Sam Hauser, not really much of a factor. Peyton missed six of the seven shots that he took. But this was a game that I thought the Celtics – this was a transactional win for me. This was simply we show up, we get the win, we get the help back to the United States. There really what there wasn't any type of like emotional engagement or attachment to this. Like I didn't think the Celtics played down to them. I didn't think the Celtics got up for them. I think the Celtics just said, "Let's just get in here, get the win, and get the hell back home." Yeah, and it's they did it the hard way, right? Because if yeah. you play this team later in the year, it's probably young guys. And I guess in this one too, you went up against Jonte Porter. OG's gone. You you saw some of their young guys playing off the bench there. But uh, this is still a team that has Siakam. Barrett, quickly, you know, those guys with the Knicks gave you trouble every time you played them. So uh, you got their best in, I'd say, three out of the four games this year, and you won all three of those. Uh, So this is impressive stuff from the Celtics. Continue and execute when they need to. I like Joe's two timeouts in the fourth quarter, Sherrod. You know, he saved all four for late, and he needed them. Again, some of those Raptors runs late. The offense at times in this one was just a mess. Uh, Mm -hmm. Holiday had that turnover at half court. 
Uh, you had Porzingis running into guys over and over again. I think he had six turnovers in this one. Tatum yeah. missed a lot of jump shots. Uh, you mentioned Pritchard all the way down the line. It just wasn't a great shooting night. And they really weren't able to get up a lot of threes. This is normally a team that's closer to 50. They finished this one with 39. And you knew right from the start, Jimmy, they went like 15 to 8 in terms of shots in Toronto's favor early on just because of turnovers, because of extra, uh, sh- you know, shot opportunities by the Raptors in this one. It's a great rebounding team. You know, so they put a lot of pressure on you there, nine to five on the offensive glass. Uh, so this is this is always a challenge against this team. You know, I, I think this new coach is doing a good job there, despite a transitional roster. Uh, quickly is just a really tough guard to deal with. Schroeder can get by mismatches. So this is a bad team on paper, but they play tough. You know, possession of possession in the game. I thought Barnes had some really nice moments in this one too. Uh, so you, I like this win a lot. This is another road game where you just battled and pulled it out late. There's a lot of good stuff here up and down. We can get into some of the other individual performances, you know, starting with Holiday here, of course. White, I feel like he's not playing as well recently, but he's still playing really well. It's just he was playing out of this world to start the year. And then Horford, I thought this might have been his best game of the season. Uh, so yeah. some really good contributions from some of the depth guys here. Horford with a couple timely uh, shots in this game in the right. second, a couple, a couple big threes and key moments. And we haven't really mentioned Porzingis' ability, just ability to get to the free throw line tonight. I thought yeah. that was that was honestly a big difference maker because that happened. A few of those did happen in the middle of the Raptors making that third quarter run. I just think Porzingis' ability to sort of reset things, slow it down a little bit, don't let the Raptors get too, too hot. Because that's when, you know, a guy like Quickly – no pun intended, but he wants to get out. He wants to keep things moving. He can score in bunches. I was thinking of you, Jimmy. They slowed the game down into that third quarter, the later yeah. half of the third quarter, and the Raptors just went dead. I mean, yeah. when they were out on the run, they were deadly. When it became a half-court game, the Celtics had a significant advantage. Exactly, and, and I, I think, again, getting to the line, driving to the hoop, not taking those. And I thought Tatum did it a couple times tonight, but overall it kept it in check. But sometimes those threes can – you live by the three, you die by the three. If you're missing, if you're not hitting those threes, you're just allowing the Raptors to get out on the break and do their thing in transition. And luckily, I think Porzingis was one of the guys that was able to sort of recalibrate the team a little bit on the offensive end, slow it down, let the Celtics regain that lead. And then they were able to kind of pull away in that fourth. I know, like, was it Hauser that kind of hit the dagger shot there to go up? Maybe I think it was 13 or 14 uh, in that fourth quarter. So um, just their ability to, to be able to come back from that uh, it, it's a sign of growth, in, in my opinion. And again, you know, we talked about um, Holiday starting things off uh, in Brown's absence and then Porzingis being able to do his thing. This is the difference between maybe a loss last year and this tonight's How outcome. How many times and, have we said that? This yeah. Year? And it's, I mean, they've had at least seven, eight, nine games like that so far this year where you know damn well if the same situation presented itself a year ago, We'd be talking, we would be bitching and moaning about a bad loss. Right. And they're finding ways to, and this was a game again, Toronto game. We, we always, you know, it's so cliche to talk about it being a game of runs, but this was really a game mm. of runs where Boston would be up by 14 and then Toronto going to run and go up by seven and Boston would go back on their run and go up by like 10. And it was, it was that kind of game. And those kind of games, the Celtics at some point in the past have just said, forget it, it's just not our night. And tonight they were just like, no, we're just going to find a way to win this game. And it's just going to be another transactional victory for us. We're going to come here. 
We're going to play with them. They're going to keep it kind of close. We're not going to be perfect, but we're going to be perfect enough to get the win. And the point that both you and Jimmy, you and Bobby made that I think is key is they hit timely shots. And it wasn't just one guy. Right. Tatum had his moments. Porzingis had his moments. Hauser had his moments. Al had his moments. Drew had his moments. That's what great teams do. They have multiple guys that can deliver the dagger or can deliver the final nail in the coffin, so to speak. And the Celtics, you saw a lot of that down the stretch in this game. Yeah, let me just swaying here. I just feel like it takes a full 48 to beat this team. I think teams like the Raptors and teams that have sort of been close in the sense of coming into that fourth quarter with things changed, they're starting to learn that. And I think when it comes to, obviously, Tatum taking over the way he did in the third quarter, taking matches with his own hands makes a difference. But the Celtics, the Raptors did a really good job of just disrupting them and protecting the rim. Celtics, they were... They missed nearly like, more, actually, one-third of their layups. They were like, what, 7 to 23 in the paint? There's you know, Toronto? Point shot falling, but no, no, the Celtics uh, were. Toronto was awful from, from deep, yeah. but the Celtics missed a lot of layups. I thought that's what really kept Toronto in it, despite the fact that they were so ice cold from behind the arc. You know, uh, the way they defended Christos Porzingis, I thought, was, was key as well. But the Celtics, you know. Yeah, the other Toronto, guys 4 of 32. I didn't even – I didn't even uh... – yeah, look that number. That is yeah. Derek White missed the Derek White missed a huge layup, and then he made a big three on the other end. Like what Sherrod said, like other guys stepping up as well after Tatum. That's what really put the nail in the coffin for the mm-hmm. for the uh, for the Raptors. Now, Bobby, you had mentioned earlier off the top that you know the, the rebuilds coming for Toronto. They just made a pretty big trade, I would say, borderline you know franchise altering type trade here. I mean, to some extent, with trading OG to the Knicks and taking back. Uh, Barrett and quickly I imagine they didn't do this so that they could rebuild in a couple years what is it about those two players do you think that Toronto that made Toronto uh, make that trade Uh, and do you think they got enough uh, for OG or was it just a win-win on both sides like like I go back and forth on it. RJ, the problem for Toronto is those two players are about to be expensive. RJ already signed a big extension, quickly needs one this summer. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's they must want to pay them, right? I mean, they wouldn't. Yeah. You know, they probably like them. They probably want to invest in them. Um, And they needed a point guard badly. I mean, Mm -hmm. Malachi Flynn and. Dennis Schroeder wasn't getting it done for them after Lowry left. Oh, a there's your years Schroeder. Ago, there's so. your Schroeder hate. We knew we were gonna get it. We knew we were gonna get it. But they they probably love quickly. I think there's some Tyrese Maxey like mm-hmm. elements to his game. Uh, you know, they're not exactly the same player, but uh, giving him more opportunity and room to play is, I think, a good thing for him. And you know, you just had to get off OG and get something back from him. I think they got a second-round pick from Detroit in that deal, too. So that's a borderline first-round pick in a couple of years, you'd have to imagine. Uh, so it was decent value. I know they were looking for, like, four firsts at one point for him <laughs> of value, and that just wasn't happening. And then his free agency comes up, and it's like, oh, crap. So I think given that he's an expiring contract, they did really well. Mm-hmm. Same thing's going to happen for Siakam here. Indiana's apparently in the mix. Dallas. Um Detroit's looking at him. I mean, <laughs> yeah. they want to get a you know cornerstone guy in there. It's just so bad right now that you know the slow road's not going to go great for them. So I'm interested to see who makes the big push. It seemed like the Kings were on the doorstep of a deal a week or two ago. You know, built around Harris and Barnes and probably some draft compensation, but uh, they backed out because Siakam was going to extend there. Uh, so will he extend in some of these other cities? Does he want to stay in Toronto? I mean, it's the only city he's ever been in. You know, I think he's a great fit up there in terms of the, you know, city. So 
the, I don't know. I don't know what he wants. He's a great player. He's a champion. Uh, Dallas, I think, would be a really nice landing yeah, spot I think for him. That would be huge for them. Yeah. Yeah, and they're playing great right now. Um, Grant is not, so they need that help at the four. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Grant, he said um, it. He admitted your boy, it. Your boy Grant had like I mean, one good month, and after that, it's been <laughs> it's been suspect. It's man. been crickets. Team Grant has been quiet. Celtics play them on Monday. The NFL season is wrapping up. And there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. Now, the app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston. And make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts, or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Would not be shocked if the Raptors put together a package that has Grant coming to Toronto Grant, and, oh, Pascal. Be interesting. And, and Pascal going to Dallas. Because to me, when I look at that Dallas roster and I look at Kyrie and Luca and potentially Pascal added to the mix, they become a top tier team in the West. They become a legit, because to me, you need to send a lot more than Grant then. (laughs) You are, you absolutely, and you're going to have to deplete that bench. But if your core is Kyrie, Luca, and Pascal, look at their big, look at their big three in terms of complementing each other, not just the talent, but just the way they complement each other. You don't have three guys that are going to be stepping over each other's foots. Kyrie has the ability to play on and off the ball. Same thing with Luca and Pascal. Remember when he first came to the league, he was just Mr. Energy. Just that guy. What's that? He was a G League guy. After that, Jimmy, after the G League. Well, I mean, I feel like he had to earn his play that way, right? got on the floor in the NBA, his whole game was about energy and hustle. And and, and then as time moved on, he became a better face-up shooter. He became a better rebounder. He became a better overall defender and didn't just rely on just being a high-energy guy. Add a guy like that to the mix in Dallas, you got a team that, again, they're they're a top-tier team in the West if they can make that happen. 
Dallas does have some salaries to throw around. Tim Hardaway at 18. Hardaway? Raquan Holmes at 12. And, and if you're yeah, a rebuilding team like Toronto, you, if you can get some of those guys on like expiring deals or, or if their contracts are manageable money-wise, you know, you might have something there. Because yeah. if, if you're rebuilding, you're just trying to find guys. You're just trying to find things that click. You're just trying to find guys that yeah, are picks actually too, worth. Yeah, picks and, and, and clicks. You know, what's what's clicking with these guys that we're bringing in? These picks, can we do something with them? Um but we've talked way more about Toronto than I would talk <laughs> yeah, about. Now, and that was talking Toronto. Well, it's a, it's a it's a conference team. It's a used to be a rival. I yeah, guess not it's anymore. Not. They're not a rival now. No, they're, they're, yeah. as as Bobby used Ellis to be a division rival. Sherrod, back when the divisions matter too. Divisions don't matter anymore. No, sad. I kind of miss good. divisions. Yeah. Division rivalries. I bet you they go back to them. Someday. Maybe they should do that for the in season tournament. There you go, Bobby. Yeah. Now you're thinking. Tie it back in somehow. Nah. Nah. Whatever. Instead of Orlando and I guess there were a couple of teams in the division, Brooklyn and Toronto in the group for the IST, but um let's see. I guess winning the IST given how it's gone for the Lakers isn't the best thing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I man, guess right. none other than raise that banner though. Every I team forget who's, wins it, it's like bad luck. Is that gonna be the thing now? Yeah, I forget who I forget who told this I forget who told the story, but um I guess Larry David was like the worst thing the Lakers could do is win the in-season tournament. And whoever was talking to him was like, why? And he's like, you're ramping up like it's the championship. And then you're right back in the regular season games. And it's weird because like you normally you'd be doing that for the playoffs and then the season's over. But now it's it's like you're starting a second season again after that. And, you know, the Lakers have their own issues. But it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, teams coming out of that fair. The Celtics obviously bowed out early and. They've now won 16 of 20 since getting that week off. Um, so I was obviously very upset that they didn't make it, but maybe they benefited from it, Jimmy. Yeah, well, if Larry David said it, then I mean, who knows, <laughs> who knows more about the NBA than Larry freaking David? I mean, I'm like, yeah, are you talking about the curb your enthusiasm? Dude? <laughs> I'm Googling Larry David. Or is, he like, is he like a GM of some team that I don't know about? No, Larry David. Larry damn David. Okay. Is there a writer I don't know about the athletic? No, but to your point, Bobby, yeah, I mean, we can go back and forth on it. That's such a Larry David way of thinking, too. Yeah, exactly. Larry David just gonna be pissed no matter what, right? That's the whole point. Exactly. So of course he's upset. That's his brand. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Dude dropped a season every three years because of that. He's got to ramp up. Yeah. So have a new season coming out. Yeah. So we talk. We talk Raptors. We just talk Lakers. We'll 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 reel it back in here to the Celtics. Can we um, talk Al Horford? Because I was so. Let's talk Al Horford. Let's talk. We haven't. You know what? Let's give Alice flowers because he probably gets the short end of, of the stick on a lot of these shows. Banished to the bench to start the year. Talk about sacrifice, Drew Holiday. And he was struggling early in the season. It was sure like, trying to you know trying to adapt to that new role on the team. He's been a starter his entire career, and he's coming in here uh, again in a situation where you're down a starter. We talk. We 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 said this. Or I said this about Drew Holiday to start the show. But Al Horford double double tonight for the for the for the young buck still uh, ten points, eleven rebounds, couple big threes. I mean, Sherrod, you've been you've been following Horford's career for gosh ever over a decade forever. now we'll just call it forever yeah um, I mean are you surprised every, like, by yeah no I'm not surprised I no. mean Al has, has always been a guy that has been good enough good enough to help you win games uh remember he this this is a guy that won not one but two back-to-back national championships uh and 
when he was in Atlanta, a, a, a team that when he got there, playoffs were something they did every now and then. He did it every damn year he was there. Mm. They were in the playoffs. So, Al, I'm not surprised that he's stepping up to the bell. But the, the one thing, and I've talked to him about this uh, this season, is just the adjustment that comes when you get to a certain point in your career where you have to evolve. And evolve. when we think of evolution, we think of evolving into something bigger, better and grander but sometimes that evolution is evolving into something more specific from a niche standpoint that your team needs you to be like they need Al to be ready and able to impact games just like that Uh, and that has to occur on nights like this when you don't have a Jalen Brown where he's in the starting lineup you're playing a team like Toronto that doesn't really have a whole lot to lose you've got to make an impact in some way shape or form a positive one if your team's going to win Al's He's. This is just who he is. Um, this is who Al Horford is. Now, is he going to play this well every night? I don't think so. But you know that it's there. You, it, and it's similar to what I was saying about Drew Holiday. Like sometimes those those older veteran type players, we see the true essence of who they are when someone's missing because that forces them to tap into that wisdom, that experience, that talent that they might be holding a little bit back in order for the betterment of the team to now all of a sudden shine through. I think back to what Przingis said about Drew Holiday, about how he has sacrificed more than anyone else on his team. And you don't really see that because when you're watching him play, when when they got their full complement, he looks like he's just kind of fitting in. But when you're missing a Jalen Brown, uh, you look at he goes for 22 points, She's 50% from the field, four for six on threes, mm-hmm. makes all his free throws, gets you, you know, what, six, seven assists, six, I think six rebounds, something like that. Had a really all across the board, high-impact game. And he has that ability. Uh, it's just that we're not going to see it as often as I think it could be seen because that's not what the team needs for him to do in order for them to be successful. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I think you, you'll you see him ramp it up for sure in the postseason. That's just what Al yeah. does. Like, yeah. Literally, historically speaking, his numbers go up in the playoffs. And He's trying to think, get that ring. I don't think this year will be any different. Uh, yes, his role has changed a bit, but that's something that he's adapted to, in my opinion, for these opportunities. Has his game changed, Josue? Or is his game... Um, talking about the last, over the last couple of years, clearly it's it's obviously changed from the beginning of his career till now. He's right. I mean, but ever since with he, his role change, I mean, I, I feel like he's they're still getting like the same guy. They're asking him to do the same things, get right. in the same spots, take the same type of shots. Right. He's yeah. just going to take less shots because there's other guys out there that can like, knock down shots. Right. Yeah. I mean, when someone's out in the starting five, he's going to obviously give you nice like tonight, but also he can have these kind of nights on any given day. I just feel like throughout the course of an 82 game season. He knows that it's a long, long road. And I wouldn't be shocked again if Al turns it up closer to the playoffs, going into the playoffs, you know. But this, these type of nights, so this, they, they, they'll take that for sure. I mean, at this stage of his career, these are the kind of nights, that, this is the kind of role that I think Al can thrive in. Yeah, sometimes he it's hard for him to kind of get his pick his spots because there's so many guys around that can knock down shots and can produce as well. But when his name is called, he's going to do this. And, and I, I, again, I think – in the end of the season and going into the postseason, he'll take it up a notch. He was awesome in this game. There's certain nights, Jimmy, where he just looks. Maybe it was the rest last week and mm-hmm. uh, you know, getting some extra time off. He looks super spry on certain nights, and tonight was one of them. He was all over guys defensively early, just knocking the ball out of people's hands. The rebounding in this one, obviously, uh, yep. pretty high, and then. Uh, he went to the post at one point, and I've noticed that a little bit over the last couple of games he's played. He'll go to a small inside and 
do that little quick hook off the glass over him. I, need and I that. looked at the numbers. He's up a little bit in terms of those attempts at the rim. Uh, up from like one to one and a half a game. He's shooting 70% on them up from 65 last year. So that's big because he, ever since that Philly season, has steadily gone down in terms of what he does at the basket, uh, volume and efficiency. Mm-hmm. And you just thought, oh, he doesn't have that anymore. But that's a useful option if you're in a little bit of a drought or there's an advantageous matchup there. They always say, you know, Joe always says, go to the matchup. And that's something that they can go to, I think. And then on the defensive end, that zone tonight was just a killer. Uh, and they threw that out there against Indiana last week in the first game. Tonight yeah. it was just so disruptive after that big Raptors run. They shut Barnes down on a few plays with it, got some deflections. You had Al and Cornette out there at one point doing it together. I think Porzingis and uh, Cornette were out there with the double big alignment. Uh, just have some size, and you got Holiday playing in the middle. It's a weird look, sure. I haven't seen too much 2 1 2 in the league, but yeah. the Celtics have gone into that look with Holiday in the middle so he can defend low and high and uh, just kind of roam out there. And then you have the two bigs down low. So uh, Indy kind of carved it up in the second game, but it was great against them in that first game. And then tonight, it just completely shut the Raptors down for a little bit. It just forces opponents to have one more thing they got to think about when their preparation for the Celtics. And, and it's something that I don't think it's uh, – to me, it's, it's more of a gimmicky type of thing where you'll do it for maybe two or three possessions. Right. Just to throw something out there, give them a different look. Just like Al getting the ball on the block. I want to yeah. see Al do at least three post-ups a game. He doesn't have to shoot all three times. He doesn't have to pass all three times. Because he passes out of that spot. Right. But I want him to do that because it forces the defense to react in a way that other – there's no other Celtic that they're going to react that way for. Porzingis can score in a block, but that's not really what he does. Um, Al can literally go down – Put one foot in the paint, one out, and demand the ball and get it to him. Porzingis is different. But Al, like I said, I I just think Al is one of those guys that little things are going to be huge for this team to win a championship. And something as simple as Al getting two or three touches in a post per game, even if he's not looking to shoot, even if he doesn't pass, that's one of those things that you're going to need. They're going to need that. Let me get back to my – let me me go through a thousand of these lower thirds and find the one (laughs) I want. Here it is. Bring everybody back uh, around here and, and um, you know, recap quickly. 105-96 Celtics win after a, a big win against old friend uh, Ime Udoka Saturday night. And I wasn't able to be on that show, but it looked like the Celtics rebounded very nicely from their embarrassing loss uh, in Milwaukee. And they kind of handed the, the Rockets a similar a similar I type of to, loss. I hate to say it too, Jimmy. I think John got you on that one. It was definitely a subdued crowd that didn't really care. It seems to do, but I will say this. There were some boos. There were more boos than cheers. Yeah, Give me I'd that. say that. Yeah. Give me that. I, I want to say this. I didn't really hear any cheers. I heard like some faint boos. And then, like you said, kind of nothingness because typically there's not a huge reaction to the coaches. And I thought maybe emails, emails would be a lot louder than it was. But it, it well, was. You know, they did that. And of course, the email did yeah, he said it quick. You know what? It's over with. It's done with. We don't have to talk about it anymore. And I think both sides can probably move on. And that's and- how it felt. It's like it's over. Obviously, the big revelation was that he told the players what happened. Apparently, um, so yes. everybody just moved on after that. I guess. Yeah, he told the players his version of what happened. Yes, about that. But the biggest here's the thing, and, and this is why I think it's just such a dead issue. 
Look at where he's at. Look at where the franchise is at. Right. They got killed why? today. Man. I mean, why? If, if you're the Boston Celtics, you're kind of good with where things are right now. Right. Um, you're not Brooklyn Nets. You're not, you know, some mm-hmm. of these other teams that at one point had like watershed moments where they were like top tier. And then all of a sudden one change in their, you know, top of the organization. And then they just they basically begin to suck. No, Celtics have actually moved on and moved forward and moved ahead since he left. So if I'm fans, I'm not mad at him. Hell no, I'm good. I'm good. You should be good if you're Celtics Nation. You should be good, good. I right. think but if the Celtics yeah. are 500, Sherrod, you know, damn well, that place would be booed. Yeah, exactly. yeah. I think yeah. I think Udoka needs to send um, Missoula like a fruit basket or something to – took the heat off him a little bit i think with the way that Celtics have been able to to continue on uh without him my whole thing sure and i don't want to go down this path again because it's old news but my whole thing was regardless of whether or not you think the punishment fit the crime and we don't know but regardless of whether or not you do the person that it only mattered to thought it did and in doing so Ime after the team last year in my opinion because if you thought they were oh, good enough definitely much more impactful last year there's no doubt about it Last year, if you thought that Celtics should have been in the NBA Finals and been an NBA champion, they weren't. And I think a lot of people would say the way that season started a little bit, you know, obviously everything was kind of in turmoil for a bit. And the toughness that Ime brought the team, you, you could make the point that the Heat out-toughed them in the playoffs last year. Maybe that doesn't happen if Ime still coach. So it's wired under the bridge at this point. But that was my point is that's why I would boo him is because for the simple fact that he wasn't around long enough for me to have any other, like, I'm not going to like cheer. Or I'm not going to bring a sign says, you know, John was sharing. Yeah. John brought his pom poms apparently. Um, but I didn't, I didn't think like there was enough, there wasn't enough time. No, John he, said no, no reaction, which yeah, is basically John, what it was all night. I thought there might be some cheering. I thought there might be some, well, that was maybe the there was, but it, it, it was a blowout. So it didn't need to come to that, but, what happened to home court advantage? Make the other guys keep it in line, but isn't it all about making the like the advantage is making the other team uncomfortable? So why are you cheering? Why are you doing those things? I, I would any excuse that I can boo an opposing player or coach or team, I'm taking it if I'm a fan. Just because it was a solid game for a quarter and a half before it yeah. became a blood. So right. there was an opportunity to. But again, I just don't think people cared anymore. People don't That's, care now. That was my big that was my big reaction. Oh, you guys, you guys were right. You guys are more right than I was. And you know what? I thought it would be like 60-40. Which I thought you'd get a nice ovation. Yeah. You thought he was going to get an ovation? See, I, I, never, I never understood that at all. Making the finals. Just one year. They made the finals. <laughs> we got another, we got another Josue freeze frame right now? <laughs> Josue is stunned. Josue is stunned at your take. That's why you're giving us the freeze frame like that. Uh Anyways, I'm not going to get into it. He coached one year. They lost. They actually blew the finals, if you want to spin it. And then he got fired. So that's why I would <laughs> So anyways, anything on this game again? I mean, we've 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 hit on a few. I mean, we haven't really mentioned Tatum What do you Tatum think of Tatum's much. game? Yeah. yeah, we haven't mentioned him much. Um, sure, I, you know, any, wow. anything that stood out to you tonight on Tatum, other than the, the usual? Well, the, he had that stretch, I think it was in the second or third quarter, where he was just rebounding the ball like crazy. He had like six or seven rebounds in one quarter. Uh, Tatum did what Tatum's supposed to do. I mean, this was a game where, well, as I said earlier, this was a transactional win. They, there was nothing 
emo- there was no emotional engagement or attachment to this victory other than we're just going to go. 14 rebounds, damn. Win. Yeah, and this is this was Tatum. This is what Tatum's supposed to do. Now, though, he didn't shoot the ball nearly as well in this game as he has in previous three, four, five games. But still, he made the shots that needed to be made. He made an impact. And I, I think Tatum's at that point where he doesn't have to score a ton of points to have a very good game. Like this, I he's had games where he scored more than this that weren't nearly as good as this one because he impacted the game on multiple levels. His scoring, his rebounding, he made some really good passes. He did a little bit of everything, and his defense was solid as well. So this was a good Jason Tatum game, but was it a great one? Is this one for the, for the archives? No, it was, but they did. he did exactly what the best players are supposed to do in games like this. Hold on. So. Let's, let's pull in Joe Sway. Do we have to? <laughs> there he is. There he is. He's stunned still at, at Bobby's take that Ime should have got a standing ovation. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't retire Ime's number. Just pick a number and toss it up there in the Raptors. He brought him to the NBA Finals. Oh, geez. He helped push these guys. And, you know, one of the things he talked about that Tatum did again tonight is when the shot's not on, find other ways to impact the game. The rebounding's been huge all year. I feel like he's the best rebounder, honestly. Uh, and they need it because some of the other – you know, bigs and even, you know, like you can't rely on the guard. So you need your big forward to be getting those. And he did, did. he did tonight and does, but uh, the shot wasn't there. And at the start of the third, I thought his misses were a big reason the Raptors were getting out and yeah. on the run and such. But then he went to the rim and right. he, those finishes were just so powerful. Back cut guys finished over uh, young at one point with a vicious dunk. And then the free throw attempts. So this is a good, resilient performance for him in terms of how does he play when he's not making shots, which is always the big question with him. Because I feel like how he reacts to that is how it you know, piles down to the rest of the team. And then when you don't have Jalen to kind of counter his style, you know, Jalen would have been the one attacking the basket tonight, and they didn't have that. So he went to it. He's so good in there, Sherrod. And, you know, I've had this conversation with Joe Sway, Sherrod, terms of like who we compare like who he compares to because we've kicked around durant durant's just a much better shooter than him i think mm-hmm. so it's tough to make that comparison he's bigger too taller there's just a power to tatum's game now at this point where he's gained the weight where he's improved as a finisher that he's that power forward and more often than not he needs to power through guys uh, whether posting up whether on the drive and finish inside get free throws because his shot's very inconsistent, we've seen in recent years. And in a game like this where it's not there, you have to get downhill. And his drives are down this year, which is very disappointing. Yeah, but you know, you yeah, know what, back, man, that, that, that footwork. You know, he, we see it from time to time. We just don't see it every night. Here's my thing, though, about this game. I mean, Tatum, like I said, he, he's, he's not doing anything right now that we haven't seen at least 10, 15, 20 times already this season. He's, he's that consistently elite. Uh, But for me, Derek white is interesting. we, We talked a little bit about him struggling, but I wanted to ask all of you though. I mean, are you concerned about his shot making? Cause he's shot less than like 40% in like four of the last five games. And he shot less than 30% in like three of the last five games. How concerned no. are you with Derek White and his sh- shot making? Because that's a big – I mean, that's that's one of those little things that's going to be huge for this team. They're going to win it all. Yeah. With him – go ahead, Josue. I'm just going to say I'm not I'm not too concerned. Um, 
the ankle thing kind of scared me tonight. He was able yeah. to come back because he's yeah. he's Derek White and he's just Iron Man. But uh, maybe he needs a few games off. You know, like, he's taking some hits physically that make me a little bit nervous. He's not. Why doesn't he get a rest White night? Is, we're we're yeah, just using Derek White not being phased at all by, phys- by physicality, and he's it's taking him. A, he's he's feeling it. He's feeling some of that physicality now that I don't know if he felt. Or at least he didn't let on that he was feeling earlier. So he, I, I said it off the top, he is not playing as well as he was to start the year, obviously, when he was on all-star pace around Christmas yeah. there. But he's still playing incredible. You look at the floater over Barrett late, the three, obviously, and he had another finish late too. He, he he was just timely tonight. I thought he was the most timely player in the fourth quarter in terms of the shots he made. Uh, so he's going to stay involved. There was, oh, the other shot he made, Siakam came around the back of him, and they were, like, triple-teaming him, and it looked like he was going to lose the ball, and he just kept control of it, and then everybody kind of backed off, and he just stepped right into the mid-range and hit an elbow jumper. So he was super timely in this one. The defense is going to be there. You know that. Uh He's definitely in a little bit of a slump right now, and maybe that's fatigue or bumps and bruises, whatever it might be. He wants to play every game, so I can't imagine he's going to take a rest at any point. Uh, but this is, I think, an acceptable game from him. And when he's making shots, he's in another stratosphere. When he's not, he's still doing so much else that I think you're able to live with it. Now, it can't be a massive slump like we've seen over you know, a handful of games coming into this one like we saw in the 2022 playoffs, Jimmy. But uh, I think he's in a much more confident place where he can shake off a game like this shooting-wise. And again, he shot 5 of 11 from three. That's pretty damn good. Yeah, like if he's not going to hit those big shots, you know it's going to be like a big steal or some crazy putback or some sort of uh, offensive rebound to give these guys another chance. You know, like he, he just finds a way to make an impact. But you, you wonder if this stuff is catching up to him. It would be nice to see him have a, a break every once in a while. Again, if we're panicking over 22 and – Five of eleven from three. Yeah, I think we're. Well, right if, that was just, if yeah. it was just the one game, then yeah, you you're right. But it's but not. the extended he, stretch. Yeah, he's had like three or four games, and we're not used to Derek White having three or four within a five six game window mm-hmm. of subpar shooting games. That's just not that hasn't been his pattern, and that's why I, I think it's something to at least put on the radar to be on the lookout for. Um, but it, it to me it it. it it reinforces the need to to have a, a stronger bench. I mean, if Hauser is talk about shot, that, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think back to when Brad kind of alluded to you know wanting another wing. Uh, I'm not sure he's looking at a wing for defensive purpose. I'm, I'm thinking he might be looking for someone who can actually make a shot uh, or string together a couple of shots when you have a guy out and maybe, you know, one of your, your other wings that's playing more minutes, maybe they don't have shots going. Is there someone other than Sam Hauser that you can rely on? And that's no disrespect to Sam. It's just that he's the, the only, only one. one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, there, and, and I, part of my concern with Sam, and again, this is, this is no knock on him, but I wish there was someone else that would push him to be better because Sam's really good now. But I think I think I still think there's a level that Sam can go to if there was someone around that was actually challenging him for minutes. But there's no one. There I'm is so no curious. One. They're gonna make a move. I don't think there's any doubt about it because my sense is, you know, just talking to people, they really like this bench. They really like the guys off. They want to add one more piece. They know they need another piece. They need another piece, and 
there's just so many unproven guys here off this bench. You know, Hauser's had a great year. He didn't play a minute in the playoffs last year, at least a meaningful one. Uh, Pritchard had a little bit of a run during the finals run, but, you know, it wasn't super impactful, but he has the experience. And then you go to Brissett, no real playoff experience there. Cornette, obviously none. So you don't know how any of these guys are going to fare in a playoff environment. Are they going to get targeted and driven off the floor? Are they going to get ignored, ignored offensively, Sherrod, to a point where uh, they can't play because it's impacting the offense? That's your worry with this bench right now because, like you said, Hauser's the only one who's really a threat, who really draws defensive coverage, and even he's prone to go cold at points. So I don't know what you're going to do here. They're definitely not going to consolidate this bench, Jimmy, I don't think, into one like shot trucker off the bench. No, uh, but I think you do have to just add a guy to the mix like Mascala last year. And, you know, looking back on it, honestly, that Mascala trade was a miss. You traded two seconds for a guy who can never really play for you. So that was a swing and a miss. Interesting today, though. And, it, you know, it's a good segue into this. I Real don't think it's going to necessarily be a trade. Go ahead. I, I was just going to comment on White before we got off him. I mean, I, I think, you know, just to answer Sherrod's question, I'm not completely I'm not I'm definitely not in panic mode about Derek White. And one of the reasons is. I know what he's capable of now. I was yeah. panicking. I was panicking when they first made the trade and he was shooting horribly for the rest of the year. And I said, and anyone who watches, watches the show knows how, you know, concerned to put it in a lack of better work. Me and John were about that trade. And, and we wondered if it was like a trade that they were, that was going to just torpedo the team for the next couple of years. Um, Obviously, that wasn't the case. Derek White completely turned it around last year. If you if you just look at this season alone, Sherrod, I don't think the last 10 games are indicative of who Derek White is. And I don't really know if the 10 games before that were indicative of who Derek White is. He's probably somewhere in the middle. And, you know, because, the, like, just looking at the splits, if you look at the games, I think it's 21 to 30, he was shooting 54, 55% from the field. That's not sustainable. And whatever it was from three is probably like 46, 47%. And now I'm sure it's torpedoed, right? I mean, over the last five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 games, he's coming back down to earth. I don't think he's going to continue to shoot at that level, but I think he's going to find, I think he's finding water a little bit. And I think he's going to come back up a little bit. You're still going to get a player that's going to have a career year this year. Um, you're still going to get a guy that's going to finish with the most points he's had, uh, you know, at the end of the year on an average on an average basis i still think the intangible stuff that he's doing now reminiscent of like those marcus smart days again he's he's like a he's like a higher basketball iq marcus smart in my opinion again not not no shade at marcus smart marcus smart was good at marcus smart things but i think Derek white when he has the ball even if he's not having a night where he's averaging where he's scoring 20 plus and that's what he was doing for a stretch he was scoring 20 plus points a game and i don't really know if that's what we can expect from him on a night by night basis as the guy who's got to score after Brown who has got to score after Tatum, you know, Porzingis is going to get his. I don't think you can expect 20 plus points a game from Derek white. Now it's great. We know he's capable of it, but I just don't think that's what you're going to get. It doesn't mean that I'm panicked. I do think some of those shots that aren't falling are going to start to fall a little bit more often than they have over the last few games. Is it uh, a nagging injury that he's dealing with? I'm not sure. Does he need a night off? Maybe he's had a couple this season, um, but no, I'm not panicked. I do think that this is a slump. All these guys go through it. I think he's earned the right to go through a little bit of a slump. He has. It, it just look. It, I mean, and again, not. It just it looks 
as though it's more of a mental thing than anything else that yeah. he needs he needs some time off i mean i i'm i'm at this point just watching him play i'm really i'm hoping that was the kids keeping off. him up late <laughs> stop jimmy don't go there. It's a dad problem. Everyone's got I know, which is why I'm telling you to stop. <laughs> That's why I'm telling you to stop. No, I, I think I, I'm really hoping an all-star break is going to be really good for him to have some time where he's not doing anything in terms of game, direct game preparation. He can actually kick back and relax a little bit because he need. I think that is what he needs more than anything else right now, just some time off the floor. Uh, but the problem is he's, he gives you so much, even when he's struggling, that you can't keep him off the floor. Mm-hmm. So uh, the all-star break can't get here quick enough for Derek, whether he's an all-star or not. He's going to be. Yeah, I mean, he's probably not going to be at this point unless there's injuries. But uh, and even now, I don't even think he'll be. I don't even think he'll be a, a top choice for injuries. Yeah, uh, no, he, won't be, he won't be the top choice certainly. Um, I want to bring this up though. Line Maybe. Line. Maybe minor, but an interesting trade did happen yesterday in the NBA uh, between the Wizards and Pistons. Marvin Bagley uh, and Isaiah Livers going from Detroit to Washington, and Mike Muscala and Danilo Gallinari Uh-oh. going to the Pistons. I was so, waiting you bring this up, Bobby. Yeah, why'd you light up like that? Mike Muscala. He's cooking. Bobby's cooking. What's going on in his mind up there? I find it interesting because – no one's going to trade for those guys. They really struggled in Washington. Didn't play a ton. But. I love Gallo. You're talking Gallo about a situation, aren't you? Yeah. Gallo so, I don't think it's Mascala. They don't need another big. He's not better than Cornette. <laughs> Gallinari's interesting. Because he can play a little five. He can play and he's better than Cornette. Let's say it, Bobby. Say it. Yeah, he's better say. than Cornette. He's not No, I don't think so. I mean, Gallinari this year, and I know it's a small sample, but 31 from three, 43 from the field. He takes threes. Three rebounds. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm confident. Chris Big that takes threes. Wow. I'm confident in him playing better than that, but he'd effectively be a Blake on this team. I know someone said in the chat earlier. Does that help you? Do you actually want more of an impact guy? Because I don't think he's going to help you much. Uh, but if you do want a guy in there for some vibes and you know maybe sneak a few minutes here or there for free, that might be a guy who becomes available. Well, um, I think chances are, Bobby, whoever the Celtics trade for isn't going to be someone that's going to help you right away, right? I think, if anything, it's an insurance policy. Yeah. Is he good enough for that? I mean... I'd rather wing insurance policy, to be honest. Yeah. yeah, I, I mean, mean, I think I think Brad Stevens is spot on, and, and just never have enough wings. Not, not especially when you know the ones you brought in haven't exactly made the most of their opportunities to get on the floor. Right. Uh, O'Shea has been up and down. Um, Lamar has been down. And is O'Shea showing be out a little too. something though? What's that? Is O'Shea showing a little something? I mean, he's so he good shows on the a little board. something every now and then, but he doesn't show it consistently. That's that's been his issue here. Um, when Brad said, when Brad said that wing might be on the team, I don't think there's any doubt he was talking, he was talking about, about O'Shea. O'Shea. He's yeah. absolutely talking about O'Shea. But the, the fact that he has to qualify with might be on my, on the team tells you all you need to know. He might be on the team, but he hasn't shown me enough so that I'm confident as a GM to say that's my guy. Right. So if working. we're comparing. 
In other words, Brad's still looking. If we're yeah. comparing someone to Cornette, though, I mean, the offensive rebounding that Brissett brings is really a game changer. And if you yeah, put, Shrod, Shrod, you got him in his feelings, man. Look what you did. I know. <laughs> if you he's put, still, he's still thinking about what you said about Cornette. Wait a minute. I, I was I ready, ready to let that ship just go down the ocean <laughs> and, and, and you know die. It's like the Titanic is going to die, but Bobby's like, no, let's go. If you put up the Lukeology, if you put up Brissett's <laughs> offensive rebounding number against everybody in the league, he'd be 17th right there tied with Sabonis coming into the night. Uh, so that's the level he's rebounding at. Obviously, he doesn't qualify uh, right. to be among the league leaders, wow, but Sabonis. in his minutes, he's rebounding at like a Sabonis level. So Bobby. This is this is super impactful stuff from him he's doing on the boards. And if he can shoot 33 to 35% from three, defend, they might go small with, you know, Horford O'Shea rather than go trying to do the Horford-Cornette thing in the playoffs because Cornette, matchup-wise, there's certain games where he just has a lot of trouble, you know, getting switched out and things like that. And uh, tonight, again, I know why people are frustrated. He drops so many rebounds. Uh, on the offensive glass in this one. So that's not that's something O'Shea's not going to do. He's going to hammer it down. He's going to uh, get by guys and be in the right spot. I mean, his rebounding is uncanny, Sherrod. Like, the way he crashes out of the corner, I know Scales said it on the broadcast, too. That's a real – what do we say, Sherrod? If you're going to be on the court, if you're going to be in the playoff rotation, you need a real deal skill that's going to yeah. keep you out there. Is it yeah. your shooting? Is it your passing? Is it your decision-making? His is his rebounding, and you know he might not hit th- yeah, seven threes like Grant did in a playoff game, but he might have three or four offensive rebounds in a playoff game over a five six minute stretch. So I I do believe in uh, in O'Shea. Like I think he's gonna be in that mix for a playoff spot. I just think the cost of acquiring an impact wing like John Conchar, like somebody like that's going to be a little too high. I mean, I, I said, Jimmy, would you give up a first for him? And you were like, hell no. Hell no. So we laughed. We actually had a good, long, hard laugh. So I don't like, right. and right now Memphis needs them to actually court a, you know, NBA team. <laughs> like they have so many guys hurt. So, uh, right. I don't know if that's going to be in the cards. You might need O'Shea to step up and they might tough. just be stuck with who they have. Yeah. I mean, what, it, Jimmy, that that's what I think may wind up being the case. Maybe you throw Gallinari in the mix, yeah, and hope you get lucky. But it's very possible you make no trade deadline deals. Yeah, it's very possible, and and I would I, I would be okay with that as long as Brad has exhausted all options and there wasn't a ridiculous offer that they walked away from. Like if someone said we'll give you Conchar and it'll cost you a second round pick, two seconds. <laughs> do the deal. Yeah. Do the deal. But if they're saying it'll cost you two second round picks and a future first, we're good. Thanks. Yeah. But no. no. And, and and some teams do. I know Oklahoma City valued Kenrick Williams at that price for a while there, yeah. uh, and some teams. You know, just hold a hard bargain for their players. They really like their guys, and they need to be blown away to move off them. And they have no urgency to move Conchar. I think he signed three years. Uh, so that's how it goes, right? You're either going to be looking at an expiring guy who's very cheap, and that's a limited number of guys, mm-hmm. or a buyout guy. And at the end of the day, we make a big deal about it every season. No buyout guys help, 
realistically. Like, who's the last buyout guy who really swung a team, Sherrod? I can't think of one. I just I remember years ago there was this huge thing about Troy Murphy. Troy Murphy, I was going to he, say. He's like the poster child for bad buyouts. What happened? Bad buyouts go wrong. Troy Murphy. Uh, Michael Finley, you Michael Finley? Come in here and, and flip. Michael Finley. He was horrible. Great guy. Yeah. Great guy. Love Troy Murphy. Notre Dame, that's the guy. But he was a horrible fit in Boston. Horrible. Um, it says Boris Well, you know why this happens every year, right, guys? Because the one time they did it, or maybe the first time, really, in the sense of a team that was had a contending team already intact, was the year they won it all. They got Sam Cassell. They got P.J. Brown. I mean, P.J. Right. was technically retired, but – they, they got him off the bench, you know, and they obviously won a championship that year. But ever since then, that was it. That was the one time. Yeah, it hasn't been, it hasn't been easy. Goran yeah. Drogic last year. Didn't he go to the Bucks? Or maybe that was two yeah. years ago at this point. And two years ago, yeah. yeah. You have to remember that when guys are, are bought out, there's a reason why they're available. They're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, I mean, now, Hayward, the Celtics can't acquire him. But if right. Hayward becomes available – and I don't know who's under that second apron. You have It'll to be interesting sure. to see which team gets him. Yeah, well, he could actually be a difference maker for a team he if he's have, healthy, of course. Which we always, yeah. yeah You're not talking about I mean, if, one, if, if you if you've got him slotted to play 15, 20 minutes a night for you, and you've got enough talent where you can justify him having that limited window of, of playing time, yeah, he can absolutely help you. Absolutely, he'd have to be playing for the Knicks or. Um, I'm trying to he might wind up playing more than 15 to 20 minutes if he's with the Knicks. That could be a team he ends up with. Um, Miami, I don't think they're over the apron, so he could end up there too. And you know they've got that 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 you know after the fact bromance thing going on. Uh, where right, they really, he wanted really to go him. there. Yeah. He really wanted to go there, and yeah, so would not I be mean, surprised if hell, he just bought out and goes there. You spent your career in Utah, Boston, Charlotte. You know, nice warmer city, but not a great team. You might as well go enjoy the end at if you're uh, Miami. If it's the fourth quarter of your career like it is for him, finishing in Miami, you could do worse. He does seem like a Heat, doesn't he? <laughs> of course he could do worse. Yeah, I can't wait worse. to see what the Heat and Sixers do because they're just sitting on so many assets. Those two teams want to do a deal so bad. Like, did one of them get Brogdon? Did one of them get Hayward? see no, neither one of them. Well, at least Philly, the one I'm thinking they're not willing to put in a, a, a big piece, you know? Right. I'll tell you what, it takes they were never to going to move them. Tobias Harris. Now's the time. His stock is not oh, going to get any higher. Wow, that ship has sailed, man. They waited too long. Wow. Yeah, I think, I think they like him at this point. Yeah. He's playing well, though. That's what I'm saying. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, but it's that money. It's just that money. It is. It's a problem. Money, money. So... That's 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 the trade chatter going around that we're that we're we are how many how many days from the deadline fifteenth today I was gonna ask you that the deadline is three weeks from Thursday ah oh, it's coming up yeah so it's coming up you got like twenty three okay, days do you see any of the can, I mean we just talked you just mentioned Sixers Siakam's the do big you, name um, yeah. do you see Bucks do you see Bucks doing anything. No, they can't. They have two second no. round picks, so maybe mm-hmm. they get something small with that. I don't what think about, they have a DB. Uh, what about Atlanta? You think they move Murray? That's a big one, and there does seem to be a yeah, lot of momentum. Right. They're falling two apart. They have a big thing? win tonight. Yeah, of course, but, they want two, two first at least. 
a late issue here and there is the Nets, and that makes a lot of sense because they're the only suitor that could get the ball in his hands a ton. Bridge is obviously a guy who can thrive off the ball, uh, so that makes a lot of sense. They have a lot to offer. You know, maybe they could send one of those Rockets picks, uh, and you know, just uh, add a playmaker offensively, and they need one. Um, it's kind of, it's weird that the Hawks are looking to disband a little bit here. I guess just rework around uh, Young. They've tried to do that a couple times, and. He was obviously the big move they made. Spurs interested in Murray too, which would be weird, but uh, it does look like the Nets are you know kind of that emerging big suitor right now. Knicks are in the mix. I don't think he makes sense there. He'd just Knicks. be playing off off ball like he was next to Young. Lakers, same thing. Like they need shooting. He's not much of a shooter, so I think he's going to end up with the Nets. There you go. Well, once again, guys, we want to thank HelloFresh. For allowing us to do the show tonight, HelloFresh.com slash CLNS free. Use the code CLNS free and get free breakfast for life. And we have a bonus football segment today brought to you by FanDuel. Guys, we're going to end the show on a little football segment. Get $150 in bonus bets when you place a $5 bet at FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston in our bonus NFL talk tonight is the news that just dropped. No, it's not that the Eagles are now down even more than they were. I hate you, Jimmy. <laughs> That's not the news. <laughs> we're not going to talk about that. We said too much about Shiraz, so we're not going to talk about the Eagles blowing this one and possibly firing Dick Sirianni after this. We'll see. If they do, there is a coach that is actively interviewing right now. His name is Bill Belichick. And this wasn't a report. This was right from the team. This is the team. The team just that never tweeted. happens. Look at us, everybody. We just interviewed. <laughs> we got Bill built an interview. We got built an interview. Woo! This is like, this is like, this is like the 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 ugly freshman in high school going out going on a date with like the the prom queen and then telling everybody in school the next day like yeah I went on a date with the prom queen yeah I'm with a good point he he says that Bill actually interviewed the Falcons. Bill's on his tour. <laughs> The yeah. biggest free agent no, no, no. coach ever. The Falcons think that they interviewed Bill, but it was actually Bill I mean, interviewing. I know, right? What are they going to interview him about? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, Bill, show. taking a pretty, uh, pretty impressive uh, resume. Uh, <laughs> looks like you got here. You got an, like, well, what's that? What's that interview process? Get some references. Um, yeah, like, yeah. Oh my god, that's too funny. What do you guys think? Is it? Is it? I, I'll be honest. It's not fun. I mean, I, I know it's been the I know it's been the rumor for a while. I just can't picture Belichick in Atlanta. I just no. think it's a whiff organization. Yeah. It's the same organization that I thought I thought Belichick murdered that organization right. a couple years ago. <laughs> no, this I is the, never, to me. This, I, I, this is the yeah. team to get. All the other teams riled up and thinking that you know what? Let me take a, let me take a shot at them. But sorry, go ahead, Shrub. No, I was going to say, I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas made a decision on their head coach and, and cut him loose that they reached out to Bill. That wouldn't surprise me. That's such a Jerry Jones kind of move to do. But would Jerry Jones and Bill Belichick be that's able to? That's a good question because the yeah, job's obviously amazing. They would not. It would, I yeah. mean, it, it would it'd be great for the media because you're going to have so much. Is so many issues. Pull and tug, yeah. And there was yeah. obviously that in New England at the end too, but not yeah. to this degree. And yeah. you know, if, if you're both Jones, those guys go in with mutual, like they both have a lot to gain by allowing each other to do their things. Right. And so that's what Maybe I was gonna can... say. The Cowboys have lost so much at this point. They've had so many bad coaches. 
Maybe if you're Jones, you take a back seat and put your ego aside and let Bill run things. I don't know if that's going to happen. They must have some kind of relationship. They've both been involved in the NFL for 50 years, and, and I'm sure that they've come across each other and all that stuff. I, I don't think Bill's find a better roster win. If he's if Bill's trying to that's what set the record for wins, right, and make another Super Bowl run, I just yeah, don't know shots if Atlanta, or whatever. I don't know if Atlanta's the place to go about doing that unless he's planning on coaching there for five years and, and turning the whole thing around. They need a quarterback. You know, they've they've got some pieces there, but I mean, again, I don't want to I don't wanna bring this up, but Philly, Philly could be looking for a coach soon. There's a couple of organizations and teams that might be good or better matches for Belichick. It is weird to hear that he's interviewing for, you know, it's like the breakup. Oh, is she already dating? Is she already dating somebody else? Like already? Like it's only been two days and she's already dating somebody else. Like, whoa. <laughs> so um, it is kind of strange to hear that, but. Yeah, um, exactly, Jimmy. This is that like. Whoa. There this, he is. <laughs> this is the one to uh, to get the other ones jealous, you know? It's yeah. like the rebound, the rebound. Yeah, you think so? So, Joe, wait, is it is Atlanta the team, or is this just the first? Nah, it's just a rebound. He's just flirting a little bit. Yeah, you know, he's, yeah, he's getting he's, back on the field. Belichick's getting, yeah, he's Belichick's getting back in the game. He's he warming up. He hasn't been on a date in twenty years. <laughs> right. But I think Bob Kraft is thinking like, man, Atlanta would be cool. No, I'm just kidding. Bob Kraft, Bob Kraft would be very happy if he chose Atlanta. I'll tell you where nobody, nobody wants Bill him to go. Him and Meek Mill might pull up if that was the case. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, what Meek team's Mills? coming to New England first? That's who he really needs to end up on. Meek Mill's a Philly guy. But um, I, nobody, trust me, Bob Kraft does not want Bill going to Dallas. He does not want to see Bill holding up a Lombardi so trophy. A trophy, after, yeah. After Brady, Brady and Bill will have and one and Kraft won't. Legacy, st- legacy talk starts to shift towards the Crafts here. Yeah, I think that happens. Can I just say real quick, right? So toward the end of the, end of the podcast with Max – He's going on and on about how Bill Belichick better not go to some team just to get the all-time record, just cause and all that. So then finally I go, Max, what if he goes to Dallas? Max is a huge Cowboys fan. Oh. All of a sudden smile he on his face. Really, <laughs> little by little, he was like. Every Cowboys fan must be dreaming of he this He goes, right I never thought about that. And like, <laughs> literally, guys, check it out. Like the last 10 minutes of the show, it's going to come up next episode. Like, it's just, he couldn't stop smiling. Like, he couldn't stop thinking about it. It was hilarious. How can Max be a Cowboys fan? That is just crazy. I always say it's the people who fell in love with that era. They just, they couldn't let it go. Right. Charlotte, 90s, yeah, North right? Carolina didn't have a team back then, so. Right, that too. But I just mean oh, he's, been, he's been in New England for so long, though. You know, yeah, he's been here. He got for the team wall at 95 or something like that, right? That's a good point, Bobby. Yeah. Patriots were a non factor when he got here. Like, yeah. Yeah, the Panthers started in like the mid 90s. Yeah. All right, guys. We're going to let you all go. Sherrod, thank you for joining us. Joe Sway, thank you. Bobby, thank yes, you. Wembenyama Wednesday. Wemby Wednesday. Please Wednesday. let him be available. It's that one shot to see him. I know he's been resting here or there. They have a couple nights off after the game today. So you think please, think please Poppy. be available. Uh, that would be a killer if he wasn't. But he'll be in the building, I'm sure, either way. And uh, I think just, like, looking at a guy like that is just like – No, Whoa. we want to see him play. <laughs> yeah, I know. Get out there. <laughs> you got to get him out there. Gotta get him. He's, he's, he's going to do at least one thing in that game that just blows your mind. Yeah, or he's going to get dunked on. It's like – Oh, maybe Jalen Brown. I'm going right now. Jalen will dunk on him. Maybe Jalen Brown's saving up. That's why he didn't play. That's, he... that, that, that's a great prop bet. Bobby's so quiet right now. Speaking of uh, – going to try to. Speaking of Bill, I think 
unfortunately, Popovich is kind of pulling a bill down there with the Spurs. So. Yeah, I mean, he, he did a – I forget exactly what he said. I, I, I texted someone about it. He did one of those timeout, you know, the interviews, and I know he's always a little short with those, mm. but they were down like 30 early, and he was like, the offense is pretty poor, and from what I've seen, the defense matches that. <laughs> <laughs> talking about his team. Well, he's gonna be—he's always been blunt, so that's not gonna change. <laughs> no chaser. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, Popovich has always been compared to to Belichick in those you know different sports, similar mindsets and success stories and all that stuff. But we shall see how it ends up. But yeah, Wemby on Wednesday, we will be here after the game. So we hope that you guys all join us. Thanks again to everyone who uh, hung out with us tonight after the Celtics take down the Raptors. What was it? 10796, something like that. Join us tomorrow. 96. We're doing a 1230 Garn Report. Going to have a Raptors guest on, talk a little bit about oh, them okay. in this game here. So uh, stay tuned for that. We got a, we got a bonus show tomorrow. We got Joe yes, Sway's podcast with Sherrod. Nice podcast coming out tomorrow. Sherrod, you got anything coming on down the pipe? Yeah, we'll have a podcast either Wednesday or Thursday. All right, be on the lookout for that. And I'm just going to be chilling, so you might see me. <laughs> Jimmy John Podcast. Yeah, yeah, be on the lookout for that. All right, thank you guys. We'll, we'll see you later. Peace.